Uh, we're going to dive right in here to uh, to First John, uh, starting in uh, chapter two, and, and we're going to be talking about appearances. And we want to start with your appearance. And and the kind of interesting thing that happens is, is is John is going to say your appearance matters. Your appearance matters. So I don't know how you answered in that intro if you said yes or no, but uh, John's going to be making an argument here that says, hey, your appearance matters, and it actually matters a lot. Okay, so so if you just go to Google and say, um, does my appearance matter, you're going to get a bunch of articles right, that indicate, yeah, your appearance matters. And, and one of those articles, it gives three reasons. These are just like general, you know, like uh, out in the world popular thoughts about why your appearance matters. Uh, they say that first impressions matter. Right? Um, uh, first impressions matter. They kind of set expectations for the person uh, that you're interacting with. Now, that doesn't mean that it's right or that, uh, that it's good, but it's just kind of the way that the world works. And so, so um, first impressions matter. And, and so we would say, yeah, your, impression, your appearance matters. Um, another reason that your appearance matters is that audiences will take you more seriously. So if you um, appear sort of uh, timid and uh, not quite sure what you're supposed to do um, or unsure of, of what you are doing, uh, the audience is not going to take you so seriously. But if you're, uh, for example, a pastor and you can put on a good show and it looks like you know what you're doing, <coughs> then uh, the audiences will take you more seriously. So appearances matter. Um, the other uh, reason that the article gives is that overall performance will increase. So, in other words, if you um, uh, appear sort of put together, if you sort of appear um, uh, like you are, uh, like you have your act together, right, then your overall performance will increase. It's kind of like a dress for success kind of thing. Uh, you might not feel prepared, you might not feel ready, but if you dress for success, you'll feel a little bit better and more confident about yourself, as the article uh, kind of argues. So, so um, general thought out there in the world, your appearance matters. And John's going to echo that, but he's going to say it for different reasons. So um, I'm going to pick right up here, 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 29, into chapter 3, verse 1. He says this, If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So um, just look at what John says, right? He says, hey, you are an adopted child of God, and so you should act like it. <laughs> He's saying that, look, our God appears righteous. Jesus appears righteous. He appears to do the right thing over and over again. So, so we should be a people that, that appear to do the right thing over and over again. We should be a people that appear righteous. Um, uh, it's kind of this interesting thing that happens, right? Kids reflect their parents, whether they want to or not, kids reflect their parents. Uh, we grew up in the house with our parents, and so we just kind of naturally take on some of the traits that they have. And, and so kids reflect their parents. So this is why parents always want their kids to behave rightly, right? Because it's a reflection on them. Uh, if you're in a, in a restaurant, you don't want the kid crawling up on the table and standing on the table, right? That's, that's a poor reflection on you as a parent. Um, so, so parents want kids to behave. I, only, I speak from experience, really, is what I'm doing. I speak from experience. Um, uh, parents want kids to behave rightly because kids are a reflection. So, so look at this. John is saying, hey, you are an adopted child of God. Do, do you see that? Uh, chapter 3, verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. 
You are a child of God. That's what John is saying. He's trying to make that crystal clear to you. And because you are a child of God, we strive, we put effort into reflecting who our God is. We, we try to reflect a dad to the world around us. So John is saying, hey, your appearance matters. And if we just kind of use his language, right, there's, there, um, when we appear righteous, when we appear as we should, then what happens is there is a heightened certainty that, uh, um, that we are good with God, that we are connected to God. Uh, do you see that language? He says, um, he says, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. You may be sure. There's a heightened certainty when we can look in the mirror and say, yeah, I'm acting righteously. And then there's kind of this thing that says, oh, you represent Jesus to the world around you. It talks about how people might not know you because you look like something different than the rest of the world. You look like the Heavenly Father instead of uh, worldly fathers and worldly leaders and worldly people. And so um, you look like Jesus. You represent Jesus to the world around you. Your appearance matters. Uh, okay, so um, usually I kind of try to start us off a little bit softly. And, uh, and, and then kind of jump us into deeper waters. And what I did now is I just threw you right into deep waters. <laughs> because if you're like me, you're asking that question, gee, am I, do I act righteously? Um, am I appearing as I should? Uh, do, I, uh, you know, do I appear as I should before God? Do I appear as I should um, to the world around me? Um, do, I, do I act or look righteous even to myself? See, we're just kind of thrown into these deep waters here because we're kind of in the middle of this, of this book of 1 John. And, and, and what John is trying to say is, hey, your appearance matters. It matters a lot. It, it matters to you. It matters to the world around you. And it matters to God. Uh, just hold on to that thought. It's going to be a key thought for us as we walk through the rest of these verses. Your appearance matters. The, the, and, and what I want to just say is we're really talking about three different appearances. Uh, there's three different appearances as we walk through all of these verses that we read earlier. The second appearance is really a warning. It, it's, it's a warning uh, about the appearance of the Antichrist. Now, everybody just went, oh, right, because Antichrist is just this loaded term. So let's read it first, and then we'll kind of talk about it, right? Uh, chapter 2, verse 18. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. All right, so let's deal with the loaded term first, and then talk about why this appearance matters in our lives. Um, uh, first of all, uh, people hear Antichrist, and they almost instantly think Book of Revelation. Well, guess what? How many times does Antichrist appear in the book of Revelation? Zero times. It never occurs. The, the, the word occurs four different times in the New Testament, and all four times are right here in 1 John. It never, ever occurs in the book of Revelation. So let's just kind of move that off the table. Um, uh, oftentimes we think, oh, one person, right, that the Antichrist is one person. And uh, John kind of blows that out of the water right here in this verse, right? There's Antichrist, singular, but there's also Antichrists, plural. And so it's not just one person, but actually many different people. Um, the third thing that we usually do is we usually think a political figure that's very powerful. 
Uh, well, guess what? Here in 1 John, and especially in these verses, Antichrist is not a political figure at all. <laughs> in fact, it's never a political figure throughout the uh, book of 1 John. And so we just kind of need to, to sort of uh, take off some of our presuppositions of what an Antichrist is and, and just let John's words here be uh, sufficient for us. Um, the actual meaning of Antichrist is just one who is against or opposed to Christ. So it's kind of like uh, somebody that, that just like stands defiantly like this with their backs turned to Jesus. Um, maybe even somebody that, that puts up their fists uh, and they're facing Jesus and they're opposed to him, they're against him, right? That's what an Antichrist is, somebody that is against or opposed to Christ. Um, John actually gives us a definition. I don't know if you caught it or not. It's verse 22. It says this, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? And then this is the Antichrist. So look, instead of trying to define what it is or name a political figure, let's just let the words of John be sufficient for us. He says, this is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. So the Antichrist is just one who denies the Father and the Son. Um, John is talking about false teachers that have come into the churches around Ephesus, and what they're doing is they're presenting a different picture of Jesus. They're presenting a different picture of Jesus than, than what John and some of the other eyewitnesses uh, were, were presenting or presented before. Um, they're trying to say things like, um, Jesus isn't the Christ. He's not the long-awaited Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Uh, they're trying to say he's not the Son of God. They might be saying, hey, he's a great person. Hey, there's a lot of things to learn from him. But they're not letting him be the Christ, the Messiah. They're not letting him be the Son of God. And so these false teachers, John is just trying to warn the people and say, hey, they're presenting a different picture of Jesus than I presented to you when I first got to tell you about Jesus. Uh, today... Um, today, it's difficult to sort of name an antichrist. And we want to be careful about doing that. But, but if we just kind of venture into uh, that conversation just ever so briefly, uh, we might think about teachers that talk more about politics than they do about Jesus. We might think about teachers that talk more about social issues than they do about Jesus. We might think about teachers that talk more about self-helps than they do about Jesus. Uh, we might think about people that, that, that say, hey, there's a lot of different ways to God. When Jesus says very clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, uh, in fact, we might think about Antichrist as just uh, something that is trying to be helpful and something that's trying to get us to follow it, but doesn't ever talk about Jesus at all. They just leave Jesus out of the equation entirely. So um, John uh, comes alongside of us and he warns us about the appearance of the Antichrist. Now, here's why. Here's why it matters. Uh, the Antichrist will, um, will, wants to and will mess with your appearance. Your appearance matters, right? We already established that looking at, um, at, the, at, the, at uh, chapter 2, verse 29. Your appearance matters. The Antichrist wants to, to mess with your appearance. That doesn't mean that he wants to drag your reputation through the mud. What it means is that he's going to present a different picture of Jesus to you. They're going to present a different picture of Jesus to you. Uh, maybe they want to present something different to you entirely and just leave Jesus completely out of the equation. And so just see this, right? If, if you're looking at a picture of Jesus and you say, oh, that's what I should look like, <laughs> well, then you're going to be led astray from Jesus. 
You're going to be led away from Jesus. You're going to start to appear differently than what Jesus actually is. And so uh, John comes along and he warns us and he says, hey, Antichrist matters because they're going to mess with your appearance and your appearance matters. Now, uh, John doesn't leave us without help. (laughs) Thank goodness. Uh, He he gives us one uh, suggestion, one command, and it's in chapter 2, verse 24. He says this, "Let let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. So the one help that uh, John is offering here is to abide. Right? The word means to remain or to stay close to something or someone. Um, John is saying this, hey, let's, be, let's make sure, right, the, the way that we uh, kind of battle against the Antichrist is that we stay connected to a faith community that circles around Jesus. Um, the way that we uh, stay connected to Jesus and we battle against the Antichrist is we keep returning to the word of God, the, the eyewitness testimony of people that actually did life with Jesus. The way that we um, abide in Jesus and, and battle against the Antichrist is we, um, we stay connected to Jesus in prayer. Hey, is this who you are? Is this what you are? Jesus, will you show me more of who you are and what you are? Uh, John says, hey, there is a weapon that fights against the Antichrist and will, will help you appear as you should. And that is to abide. That weapon is abiding in Jesus, staying close to him and a faith community that circles around him. So uh, we've got two appearances so far. We've got your appearance. Your appearance matters. John comes along and says, hey, I'm, I'm warning you. There's an antichrist out there. There's antichrists out there that are trying to lead you away from Jesus and, and present a different Jesus to you. And then what we get uh, is the third appearance. And this is by far the most important one, of course. This is the appearance of Jesus. And we get to divide the appearance of Jesus into two. So in one way, you could say there's four different appearances in these verses. Um, uh, the appearance of Jesus is, is the most important. And what we're going to see is that John is talking about how Jesus has already appeared and how he is going to appear. And this is just fascinating language. You're going to have a whole new spin on Christmas as soon as you, re- as soon as you hear this. Okay, so uh, I know we're, we're already talking about Christmas, right, and, and trying to plan uh, Christmas music. So good luck finding Christmas music like this, okay? Chapter 3, verse 5 says this, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. So you know that he appeared, past tense, right? Uh, John is saying, hey, Jesus appeared in the past to take away sin. The language is really strong. Take away uh, is kind of this image of something heavy that somebody picks up and carries away. They take it far away from you. They remove it far from you. Uh, Second verse that talks about the appearance of Jesus that has already happened, chapter 3, verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has already been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Um, that word destroy, is, uh, it means to, to undo a connection, to untie a connection. Uh, the language is kind of like, hey, um, uh, you, you are tied or connected to the works of the devil. And what Jesus does is he appears, and he, and he appears with a knife that cuts that rope, and then he throws that rope in the fire uh, to be burned forever so that you can be connected to something else. Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the devil. 
So uh, we get this image of uh, Christmas being less about, you know, beauty and Christmas trees and more about Jesus uh, coming with a wrecking ball. What he's doing is he's showing up at your door and he's saying, hey, I've heard that you've got a mess here and I'm here to clean up that mess. Jesus appeared to clean up your appearance because your appearance matters. When you appear like something besides him, uh, he picks up the sledgehammer. <laughs> uh, he picks up the knife to cut the rope. And he starts hauling off all the things that don't look like him. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin. You know that he appeared in order to destroy the works of the devil. Uh, but John also promises that Jesus will appear again. And, and again, we get this in two verses. In typical John-like fashion, right? Uh, he, he has appeared, two verses for that. And then saying, hey, um, uh, he will appear, uh, two verses for that. So, so here's the first one, First uh, John 2, 28. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, right, future tense, when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. So, so just see this, right? John is saying, hey, Jesus is going to appear in the future, and when he appears, um, you have two choices. You can uh, shrink back in fear, uh, feeling unworthy and unfit for his coming, or you can have confidence. And the way that you have confidence is you abide in him, you stay close to him. And, and, and when you do that, you know the truth that he appeared to clean up your appearance. You know that uh, why he appeared. You know what he did when he appeared. We can have confidence because of the first appearance, the first coming of Jesus. And so the appearance of Jesus is always the most important appearance. The second verse where John talks about this is chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. This is why I struggle with John, because he just like talks in circles. But, but here's what he said, I think. Here's what he said. He said, what we will be has not yet appeared. So it's kind of that thing of, hey, we're supposed to look like the Father. We're supposed to appear as the Father does. We're supposed to appear righteous. And, and as I mentioned, that throws us into deep water because we instantly kind of say, well, gee, I don't, I don't know if I'm righteous in the presence of God. And, and I don't know if I'm righteous uh, to other people around me. And I don't even think I'm righteous to myself. I don't always appear as I should. Sometimes I do. <laughs> Sometimes I, I appear rightly. And a whole bunch of times I don't. And that can leave us uh, in despair. That can leave us in doubt. But we get this promise here that Jesus is going to appear. And that when he appears in the future, what's he going to do? He's going to make us like him. Now, and that means uh, that we are going to be similar in resemblance. Uh, it means that we're going to resemble him. And I would say that that means in a more permanent, unwavering kind of way. Uh, when Jesus appears, he is going to make us like him. We'll stop looking bad. And we'll stop having a bad appearance. And we'll start looking good all the time. Isn't that music to your ears? It's not about your effort of trying to appear rightly. It's about the work of Jesus. He comes with that sledgehammer and he cleans up the appearance 
in your past. And he promises to come again and, and, and let us appear good, beautiful, right, every single day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for these, uh, these abundant promises that we find here in, in these verses. Um, uh, we thank you for the warning of things that, uh, uh, that, that appear and, and might mess with our appearance, the things that might appear and just drag us away from you or distract us from you, um, uh, take our attention off of you. Uh, we thank you for the reminder that our appearance matters, uh, that you want us to appear rightly, and that it matters so much that you came. You, you came to, to destroy, you came to clean, and that you promised to come again and make us like you forever. And so we thank you for these abundant promises. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you have done and are doing to clean us up, to make our appearance just like you more and more each and every day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.